Good morning. I know we got some singers out there, so y'all help me with this song this morning, can you? It's a little slow song that I want you to join. I think many of you might know the words. It says, I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee, oh, I need thee. favorite songs is just one word so if you don't know it you can learn it real quick it just says yes Crystal you help me yes 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 I need you Lord I need you, Lord. I need, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I ad-libbed a little bit on the end, but is God good this morning or what? That never gets old, the fact that I'm not in and of myself sufficient. And whether you sing the hymn when you wake up every day or not, I pray that you wake up recognizing that in and of yourself and myself, all we can do is fail alone. But when we recognize the need that we have in us and we say yes to his will for our lives over and above, as Kate said, our will for our lives, then life begins. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the day the Lord's made, is it not? Psalm 118 and 24 says it. This is the day he's made, and we, we rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul, and I'm privileged to serve as pastor of this congregation and not a part of the worship team, but every now and then, we just like to give God some praise. And if I'm fully transparent, I was talking to Tyler, who, by the way, is probably one of the baddest keys players in the city. And y'all just give some love for him. Oh. Uh, pastor Brett Fuller, our senior sending pastor, when he came to the, uh, one of the times, I was at the Boys and Girls Club, and he said, where did you get that guy? <laughs> he said, he can do everything, gospel, like where, wherever you take it, he's going with you. I said, God, I don't, he just, uh, and the entire band. And last night, Tyler and I were talking about the fact that my favorite artist of all time came to town, and if you weren't there, you missed out. You need to know some John P. Key. Anybody know John P. Key? Come on now. Uh, 
And so he got to singing, and I think I knew just about, I think Taylor was like, you Facebook Live the whole thing. <laughs> I said, you don't understand. Black Voices back in the day, UVA growing up, all the songs. He just hit them. We do some of his here. But God is good, and there's something about worship in song that allows us corporately, though in your closet in the shower you can do amazing things, I'm sure. <laughs> but it allows us corporately to enter in, which is why we love participation here little call and response. There's no performance presentation as much as there is participation. And together we lift up a voice to a God who's worthy of our praise. And if we just read through the Psalms, we'll see in many spaces, it says to lift up our voices with a shout of praise, sing unto the Lord, a new song, bless him at all times. And we were able to do that last night in the overflow this morning of how our worship team just carried us into the presence of the Lord. I am grateful grateful for you, grateful for every person that is live streaming and for choosing to spend an hour and eight minutes or so of your time with us this morning. Uh, we are grateful for all of the volunteers uh, on every team that serves here, all of the Victory Group leaders. We believe here, as Erica talked about, uh, that, that life is about being shared. We talked about 1 John 1 and 7, which you can look up later, and it just talks about as an extension of our fellowship with Jesus, we share life together. And as excited as I get about Sunday morning, this is just the beginning, X's and O's, if you will, of what life ought to look like in the week. And I challenge us often as and encourage, obviously, that our week and our profession of faith and that declaration of reconciliation to him and each other ought to be manifested in our day-to-day -day engagement. So we might then look at who's in our community, who are we sharing life with, and what does that look like? Because this, as mentioned, is just the X's and O's, and Lord help us if it's window dressing. I don't want any part of that, but I want to live life well in community such that we can see the transformation that God wants to bring to us individually and our communities. Amen? That's not the message, but it is always the message. Uh, grateful to have all of you with us. We've been in a series uh, called Amazing Grace and we started off the year with a fast where we looked at a number of passages of scripture that touched on amazing grace. And then in each Sunday of the month, we tried to touch on those scriptures, unpacking hopefully in different ways, just how amazing his grace is, his unmerited favor, that which we don't deserve. That'll preach all by itself. I'll say amen to the word. Amen, Jesus, for your amazing grace. That took me and you, whether you realize it or not, and gave us something, that's what grace is, that we did not deserve. Hello, death is what we deserve, but Jesus, God gave his son, Jesus, for us in place of what we should have had. His unmerited favor, his amazing grace goes beyond even the articulation of that word. But nonetheless, we've talked a little bit about that, going back to just the foundations of the faith, who we are, whose we are, and where we are without him, uh, but where we can be with him. And so today we're going to finish up uh, that series um, and looking at the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And while grace is his unmerited favor, it's also his empowering presence. And that's what we want to uh, touch on today as we, as we close out the series and head into a new one um, next month. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 10. And while you're finding that, let me take another opportunity just to thank those who, just over this period of time, it's been a little over a year here at Victory Church, we, we have membership. We describe it as being in fellowship. Uh, 
I said to our discipleship group this morning, the volunteers, I said, how many of y'all still members at the church you grew up in? Like, we, many of us still on the road, places we ain't never been in fellowship with for like 20 years. <laughs> uh, and so we can find ourselves in that space. So we, we, while we don't avoid the term membership, we think of our engagement here as being in fellowship, which involves a shared life. And for us, that's a three-pronged process, attendance on Sunday as, as faithfully as we can as, as a part of the more corporate body, serving on one of the 10 teams that we have, and we purposefully e empty the week, if you will. We don't have a midweek service or anything like that so that we can participate in a victory group, doing life with others, praying, studying the word, sharing life. Uh, Etc. And so in a moment, maybe in a month or so, we'll acknowledge those who have uh, been in fellowship with Victory over some time. And uh, just to say thank you and let's keep it going. Um, and if you're not in fellowship here or elsewhere, you might be visiting and it's not about Victory Church, but it is about the church. We can't do life alone. So I would just say buy in somewhere and be all in somewhere. Amen. Amen. I'm all over the place. I was talking earlier about coaching, and I said, you know, when I coached, I had a system, right? There's, there's a system, and then, you know, after you get the system, there's some freedom that you might get, depending on your level of, you know, degree of talent. But this is what we buy into. And every now and then, you have people bump up against the system. It's restricting me. It's containing my talent. And sometimes, even with churches, you might feel that. I'm not getting all I need. It's not filling me up all the way I need to. And maybe on some fronts, you have a point. And yet, we're called to be all in to the community he's called us to because what we get from that aggregate is so much greater than we can get from, I'm going to piece this here and piece this here and do this and do this myself. So I'm grateful for those who are engaged and in fellowship here and encourage all of you to do that somewhere. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 10. Uh, Lord, just help us this morning as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When I get into the text, I want to stay there. So can I, can I just share a little bit more that's on my mind? Can we do that? And I, I promise I will get uh, to this text. And in many ways, it's very, it's very related. Um, unmerited favor, empowering presence. Last week, I alluded to this this. Uh, idea, principle, if you will, of how um, impressed I am mainly of those who live the word. Um, I talked a little bit about time when I was in seminary, Virginia Union University in Richmond is where I went, loved it. Uh, professors, classmates did theological gymnastics that I'm still figuring out how to perform. Uh, it all informed my study, definitely informs my life, definitely informs so much about how I am, but before I ever went to seminary, even as a kid, I realized and appreciated, though I appreciate more now, um, the translation from head knowledge to it being worked out. I remember the pastor of my youth, happens to be my parents, and my pastors even later on, Pastor Donnell, who preached here, Pastor Brett, friends of mine, my roommate from college, and more than what they've taught me, though they've taught me a lot as it relates to the study of the Word of God, what was more impressive to me was how they loved their enemies. I remember growing up, probably knew too much as a kid, but I remember how the pastors would pray for those who they knew were digging holes under them. 
trying to create division and do all kinds of stuff. And for me, I said, that is what is really impressive, that you can do that, that you can love your wife and she really loves you back for real. That's impressive because if we can speak Greek and, and read Greek and do all that stuff, but your wife don't like you, Terrence, no matter. <laughs> He's not married. Clearly just a random example. <laughs> this is preventative maintenance up here. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can quote all of the book of Romans and for 30 years you have yet to forgive that person in your family. What does it matter? What does it matter if you can preach the house down? And I know some folks that can preach way better and they preach the house down. It doesn't matter if in your heart there's still some resentment or you have a spouse or a roommate you haven't talked to in however long and your ways of managing conflict is retreating from it doesn't matter. And so we here are all about, yes, studying the word of God, understanding better how we can exegete, interpret scripture so that we can change, so that we can move forward, so that we can. This came up in one of our victory groups this week. I was hearing just uh, kind of get around and talk to them all. One of them was talking about dismantling the oppressive dynamics in the city of Charlottesville. It is so that we can, we study the word, so that we can do just that as a gospel imperative. As a gospel imperative, uncomfortable maybe at times, and there will be those because that's what the Bible does. But as a gospel imperative, how do we study it in a way that we're different when we leave? In a way, not just the place, but when we leave time with him, we are different when we go into work. We're different when we read the paper. We're different. We see things through a lens that says, this is wrong. This is not Jesus. I need to do something about it. I'm interested, and I pray we as a church body are interested in that, Taylor ought to feel a little bit more compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience after I've read Colossians 3 and 12, which is where it says that. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> I mean, we would just end the sermon now if no. Uh, there ought to be a little bit more for the married folks, right? More patience, not less, which is countercultural, right? You start figuring out what their tweaks are, and you kind of like, I'll just check out, da, 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 we figure things out, but no. What does it look like for us to be different? That impresses me. Let's get into the word. All right. Um, but it's a preface to the word. As we get into, um, it is the word, and it's a preface to the message um, today. What are we really doing if we're not changing, growing in the grace of God, which is what we're going to talk about today? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Uh, read with me, if you don't mind. Thank you, Mark, for having it up on the screen for us today. Bless you, man. I'm going... No, that's not the text. Uh, how about y'all start reading? I don't know if I put it in here today. I don't think I did. All right, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. All right. We're going to read 10 verses, uh, but we're really going to focus on verses 7 through 10, but I wanted to read all 10 as some context. All right. In case I didn't copy and paste this right, we're just going to... All right. Read with me. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. 
whether it was in the body, do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then am I strong. The title of the message today is, For Christ's sake, grow in grace. For Christ's sake, grow in grace. And we're going to snatch that term back from how that probably resonated in your mind. I'm not angry with you or anybody else, but literally saying, for his sake, let's grow in grace. Um, some of you heard this story uh, before, so I'll, I'll share it briefly. And it's interesting that uh, there are some folks in the room who, who were a part of sharing this story uh, with us. But it was a couple of years ago around Halloween time. We were talking with someone about their uh, experience at a dinner with a family friend's kid. And at this particular dinner, uh, the child was obsessed with a particular cartoon character. Um, and it happened to be Spider-Man. And uh, you probably heard the story, you know where I'm going a little bit, but if you haven't, this young man was so obsessed that at the dinner table, when they started to pray for the food, they said, hey, would you mind praying? He said, yes, I would love to pray for the food. And they said, well, go ahead. Everybody closed their eyes. And this young man said, Spider-Man, thank you for the food. <laughs> at this point, the adults are kind of doing what you're doing. They're smiling. They open their eyes. And this young man didn't end. He happened to have a friend over for dinner that night, and what was kind of the, the cap for me anyways for the story was as the adults opened their eyes and smiled, this young man, the friend of the young man praying, was in the corner like this as he was praying. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, how about that as we chuckle, and yet for you and for me, though we know better than to quote Spider-Man in a prayer or to say whatever other idol, if you will, in our lives, we know better than to say it out loud, but our behavior might say, career, thank you for my life. Spouse, thank you for every, whatever you fill in that blank with, for that sake, I live. For that sake, I move and have my being. All of us could probably fill in the blank of some temptation toward that end. Now, the analogy kind of stops there in terms of what I want to focus on today by way of something that can bring about for us the reality of what is inside us and what is for, in, for us that priority, and that's suffering. 
I don't think that young man was suffering in the story. At least that wasn't part of the story. So that, leave that there. But for us, sometimes suffering can bring about for us what's really there. It can expose for us, if you will, that which we idolize, that which we honor, that which we give preeminence in our lives. Now, what I'm not going to do today in any way, shape, or form is to suggest to you why we suffer. I do pray that wherever we find ourselves, because if there's one thing I've learned in my short 40 years here on earth is that we're either going into something, in something, or we coming out of something, which is not that I norm my life on tragedies per se, but I just recognize that if you live long enough, you'll experience some stuff. And my prayer is that in the midst of that suffering, we would be pushed toward Jesus and not away, and that we would recognize that his grace is not just unmerited favor, though it is, it's also his empowering presence, which can make all the difference, in fact, be sufficient in the midst of what we're going to. So we're not here to say, here's why I think you're going through what you're going through. In fact, as an aside, can we please stop telling people why we think they're going through something that they're doing, that they're going through? A head nod, anything. You could actually scream in here and it would be, I'd be at home in some ways, but whatever's comfortable, but something. Hey, amen. Uh, can we not do that? Because it can cause more damage than it does good. Well-intentioned though it may be. You need to pray more. I think God might be trying to teach you something. No, let's not do that. Let's not make a person feel like it's their fault somehow for the trauma that they're going through. Please. Many times what we can say, though, is, man, I can only imagine what it must be like to be going through what it is that you're going through. And I have no idea, won't even pretend to understand or have an answer for why that happened to you. I don't know. But what I do know is God cares. He sees you and he wants to be near. Psalm 73 says he is near to the brokenhearted. That I know and that I pray will be your reality in this space. Apostle Paul here in this text does take the liberty of sharing with us why he feels like he's got this thorn in his flesh. And he talks about it being to kind of stave off him being uh, more conceited, if you will. And what I want to zero in on today, though that is in and of itself something we can focus on, is his response to the suffering. And so I hope by the end of our 10 minutes today uh, that we have left, maybe a little more. I said an hour and eight minutes. So y'all give me a little eight on the back end. Is that living for Christ's sake makes suffering an opportunity to grow in grace. Living for Christ's sake makes suffering an opportunity to grow in grace. Not getting at why you're suffering and whose fault it is and who, why does God allow this to happen to good things to engage in. But I am saying he cares and as it's going to come, Tim Keller writes about this in his book of walking through pain and suffering because it just happens to all of us a lot. It can be a space in which we say, God, where's your empowering presence here? A little context. City of Corinth, uh, we've talked about before in preaching from either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, is an incredibly diverse group of people in this city. Over 400,000 of them Jews, Greeks, uh, and the Apostle Paul decides amidst what was rampant paganism and immorality to plant a church there right in the middle of it. Very wealthy city, all kinds of things going on, seemingly good, but also very seemingly bad. And then he gets word after he plants the church that there are some issues going on. So the book of 1 Corinthians for us is a letter to them, helping them with a lot of different things, not the least of which includes disunity. Because, Mark, when you get a bunch of folks together who are not necessarily like each other in experience, 
racial, ethnicity, socioeconomic background. There's some difficulty, Benji, so he had to write him a little letter because he was saying this ain't meant to be window dressing, and if it's not going to be window dressing, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So he wrote him a letter in 1 Corinthians saying, let me help you through this process. The book of 2 Corinthians is another letter that he sent because now they were challenging his authority. There were all of these super apostles that are coming up to sort of subvert his, his, his apostleship and challenge whether or not he was really called. And so a lot of 2 Corinthians is about him defending his apostleship, saying, in fact, why I'm here is because God sent me to be here. And in the 12th chapter, he's in many ways kind of... Uh, without trying to boast in himself, sharing just why he is who he is and why they should listen to him. Uh, the, the good example maybe of what I think, or at least what came to mind for me as uh, Apostle Paul was kind of outlining his defense was that the NBA is doing their all-star balloting right now. If anybody follows NBA, it's a basketball league. It's a professional league. <laughs> Um, and I like basketball, and so I'm watching, and there's a gentleman named Jimmy Butler who plays for the Miami Heat, who many think were snubbed from the All-Star team, right? And so I imagine if Jimmy Butler, I don't know that this has happened yet, if he were at a press conference and they asked him, hey, what do you think about your not being chosen? He might say something like, you know, it's not, a, not in my hands, it's all, in the, you know, it's just the voters, they do what they do, I'm just out there to play my game. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and go into all of my accolades as to, you know, why I think I should be in, like the fact that I average 20 and, and seven rebounds and six assists a game on the, the team that's number two in the East without a player that we think is one of the best in the league in Deion Waiters. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to say all that. Uh, it's up to the people who vote. That might be how he'd come across. But how slick is that in that in not saying it, he did. Apostle Paul kind of doing that here, isn't he? I'm not going to boast in myself. But I know a man <laughs> took it to the third person who was caught up into the third heaven, heard things living right next door to Jesus that were inexpressible. I can't even tell anybody. I just know a man. And, 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 but I'm not going to boast in myself. He's very, very slick with it. <laughs> But what I think is so interesting in reading this text, and there are lots here in terms of things that we can package as a message, is, uh, uh, as an aside, maybe to just stay with that for a, a quick moment, but we, we see how he is growing in grace. But just as a parenthetical, because it's hard to skip over it, and, and, and I think for the victory groups in the room, this is where you can unpack things that aren't necessarily set from the stage, but are in the text. You can come and question them and engage them. But I think here, Paul, just having had this revelation uh, uh, in the third heaven, is now having a revelation, if you will, of his depravity, depravity, right? He's, he, <laughs> I always look to my right or wife. I don't need y'all for that. She got me. Uh, <laughs> But he discovers, if you will, that his heart is, I do need you. Hezekiah Walker told us that years ago. I need you to survive. He discovers that his heart is so sinful that it could use, he could use this gracious gift of having been uh, privy to this revelation to in some ways then exalt himself. So we're watching him, if you will, go through this process of like, I was there and now I'm seeing almost how, I need this thorn because somehow my having this privilege of being exalted for a moment now might make me think that I'm exalted all by myself. Again, a whole nother sermon, though it reminds me a little bit of Isaiah when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and then subsequently realized the sin in his heart. 
close that parenthesis. Paul does have this storm, but three times he pleads for the Lord to take this storm away from him. And I want to put a pin right there for a few minutes. Because when someone comes to you and they, they're crying and they've just experienced maybe some tragedy or trauma, trying to figure out what and why things in their lives is happening, has happened, Let's not be so quick, as I said before, to kind of tell them or interpret for them why it's happening. Just give them a minute. Paul, one who planted all these churches, I think he's quite an evangelist and man of God, said, God, take this away from me. Not unlike somebody else we know of, if I might hasten a little bit to Jesus, who in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, said what? Father, let this cup please pass from me. How great we have a heavenly father who identifies so if somebody's coming with to you, like, like in my own family, to make it personal, my little cousin, 25 years old, newly married, gets this rare form of cancer, and in weeks, gone. Fit, buff, everything in weeks. If you came to me with anything about, let me explain why this may have happened and how you can, you would have got a stiff arm like I was Derek Williams out here who played for the University of North Carolina back in the day. I ought to give you my best... Austin Powers impersonation, you know, impersonation of Zip it. <laughs> Don't want to hear it. Because I needed a minute. Maybe if somebody comes to you with that, you can just be with them. Sit with them. What are you feeling? Let me feel as best I can the pain that you're experiencing right now. Paul, like Jesus, also had a moment of, please let this cup pass for me. But though Jesus in true fashion, then shows us exactly how we can grow in grace. We want relief, but a question if you want to write down and think about later is what if God decides to give you grace instead of relief? My little cousin, he gave us grace instead of the relief we would have wanted. 20 years, 30, 40, 50, 60 years marriage. He gave us grace in the midst of that. I want this cup to pass from me. I don't want relief, your explanation. I just want it to stop. But Jesus shows us how we can, for Christ's sake, grow in grace, grow in his empowering presence amidst the suffering. He says in Matthew 26, verse 42, after growing away and praying for a second time, he says, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. May I live for Christ's sake such that in the midst of suffering, I can grow in grace. And what we see in this text here is Paul growing in grace. We get to watch it. First, he pleads with the Lord to take it away. Anybody start there? I can't take this. Why in the world would you do this? Why would you allow this? I can't. This pain is unbearable. And then we see the Lord speaks to him and he hears him. Sometimes we just got to be there for each other, be a physical presence. The ministry of presence is something and allow the Lord to whisper to them, just as he did to the apostle Paul here. Bring them food. It's a good one. Mow their lawn if they have one. Just be there with them and let Jesus speak to them. And Jesus then said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. As I conclude, I must conclude somehow. How do we grow in grace? And I think here, Apostle Paul gives us at least two ways, at least that we'll highlight today. One is we listen, which suggests that we know his voice, which suggests that we're reading his Bible multiple times every day. 
so that when we speak, we know who is speaking, especially when times are not so good. Colossians 3 and 16 talks about his word dwelling in us richly. And then after we listen to him saying, my grace is sufficient, I hear you. And we're struggling with that, which is often a tension that I'd want to deal with a little bit more. What do we do when we know and we heard and we, we, we see what the Bible says, but we just can't grasp it? But secondly, then we can obey it. We hear it and then we decide to walk in obedience to it. Therefore, text says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Apostle Paul heard because he knew the voice of God, and then he obeyed. And we're going to pray about that because I know that's the tension point sometimes. It was it Crystal from my worship team that recited 1 Peter 5 and said, cast your cares on him? How many sometimes are you like, I don't know how to cast my cares on him? I don't know what you're dealing with. We're going to close here. I have no idea um, kind of what you're sitting with here in the room today. But again, as I've referenced before, I've lived long enough to know a short 40 years on this earth that we are all dealing with something. Um, Isaiah says it this way. We're all going to walk through the fire. But in Jesus Christ, we don't have to be burned. There's an empowering presence in the midst of that allows us to extend the kingdom of God through the suffering that we might be having to deal with. And so I pray as we close out this series today on God's amazing grace, though we never close out a series on his grace. And in fact, there will some, be some things here that we'll pick up next week or maybe two weeks from now. Um, I do pray that we would meditate afresh on his grace, again, the unmerited favor, but also his empowering presence that allows us to be different as a result of an encounter with his word and with him. And I'd say it's hard not to be if we truly encountered him. Jesus died, he rose again so that we can overcome. And not just in the by and by, though I am first in line to appreciate every song and hymn that we sung growing up and how my granddaddy would always talk about When I see Jesus, amen. And indeed, when we see Jesus, amen. No more pain, no more suffering. But there's a Lord's Prayer that many of us probably can recite that says what? Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which says that his will on earth ain't like heaven. There's suffering, there's pain, there's bigotry, hate, racism. Last week when I referenced, you better see me, don't be colorblind in here. I know there's no colorblind in heaven, but his will in heaven ain't here yet, so we need to see each other here. There's pain and suffering that in the by and by, yes, we won't have to deal with, but God, we want heaven here. And for that to occur, there must be and availability for and embracing of his empowering presence in the midst of it that allows his kingdom to be advanced in this imperfect space we call earth. And so with eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to pray for three groups of people today. The first is those groups of persons who have yet to say to Jesus, 
I accept you into my life. The second that I'll pray with, uh, along with the first, are those who maybe you've made a decision for Christ, but now you look at your life and it looks nothing like you think it ought to look based on the decision that you made, and now you want to make a change. If you're in either of those two categories, just raise your hand really high. third category is that of those who are in the room, heads bowed, eyes closed, who are in the midst of suffering of some kind. Could be you've experienced a loss. Could be that you're having some marital difficulties. It could be that you might be losing a job or seems like you're going to lose a job. It could be your own health that's failing. It could be your kids you just can't seem to figure out and parent will. Whatever that looks like for you, I just want to pray for you. If that is you, heads bowed, eyes closed, just shoot your hands up today. That's most of us in the room. Life is difficult. We say a lot from the stage that God never promised us the storm-free life, but he did promise us a storm-proof one. And so, Heavenly Father, I thank you today that in you we can live a storm-proof life. It doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we don't feel the pain. You felt the pain. You identify having taken on human flesh with what we go through, and yet you say, follow me. And we do today in saying, God, help us to grow in grace. Help us to embrace more fully your empowering presence so that we can be who you've called us to be and do what you've called us to do. Help us to delight, if you will, as Apostle Paul said, in weakness and insults. Not triumphing necessarily in the pain, but triumphing in the fact that in the midst of the pain, you're there. In the boat, like with the disciples who didn't know how they would get to the other side because the winds and the waves were just throwing them back and forth. Help us to recognize what you said before they ever got in the boat, which is we're going to the other side. God, I pray for there to be a quickening and an awakening in us individually and collectively. And let us be a light on top of a hill in the city of Charlottesville that says, God, you still reign. And as long as we're here, your will in heaven, we will bring here down to earth, starting with us individually and more broadly, this community suffering in a number of different ways. All of us who have raised our hands today, I pray for that reality. The reality of your amazing grace, unmerited favor, absolutely, that we will praise you forever. But not stopping there, also your empowering presence that allows us to be and do what you've called us to be and do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you... Uh...